Thank you. You may be seated. Today's scripture reading comes from the book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. Hear now the word of the Lord. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Awe came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day they spent much time together in the temple. They broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the good will of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Let us pray. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, in case you're wondering, I'm not Tyler. Uh, we're probably going to have a little bit of an abbreviated service here today, so those of you that are ready to go home and root for the Cowboys to win against the Giants today, you're in luck. You'll have plenty of time to get ready for that. <laughs> for those of you that I have not met, my name is Tim Nicholson. Uh, my wife Missy and I just became members here last week. And had I known that preaching was a requirement of membership, Okay, I'm kidding. No, it's, it's not a requirement. No, don't, uh, I don't want to scare anybody away. Um, Tyler is away for a much-needed break and a nice respite uh, with his wife, and he offered me the opportunity to bring the sermon today, and I graciously accepted it. And God willing, there's going to be more of these in my future. So today we're wrapping up a series that Tyler started a couple of weeks ago entitled Back to School with Jesus. So just as a, a bit of a recap, in the first week we saw how discipleship is a call and response. God calls, we respond. There's no test. We don't have to prove that we have any kind of previous knowledge or skill. We just simply have to trust Jesus to lead us where he wants us to be. Then the second week, we saw how discipleship involves a cycle of gathering and scattering. We gather to renew, much like we're doing here today. And we receive strength and guidance from God's Word. Then we scatter and we go out into the world to do God's work. Then we gather again to share and celebrate what was accomplished, to renew, and then scatter again. And so it continues. Then last week we looked at the Great Commission in Matthew 28, where Jesus said, go and make disciples. As part of that scattering, that is the work that we are to do. We are to make other disciples. We are to help others to see. We are to show others what it means to be a disciple so that they want to be a part of that as well. And during that sermon, Tyler sort of posed a bit of a question of what would it look like 
if people took that command seriously. So today we see in Acts 2 exactly what that would look like. We see what true community is all about. Now when I say the word community, what comes to your mind? You probably think about the geographical area you're in, where you live and work and worship and play, like the Roseville community, the Lewisburg community, the Raleigh community. The Oxford English Dictionary defines community in one way as a group of people living in the same place or having a particular characteristic in common. That doesn't really sound exciting, does it? It doesn't make you want to join into something like that. Certainly nothing like the community we read about a few minutes ago in today's scripture. See, these people were different. They were excited. For them, community was more than just a, a place where they lived or some common characteristic. They were tuned into something much greater. Their community followed another definition that the, the dictionary gives, that of a feeling of fellowship with others as a result of sharing common attitudes, interests, and goals. So let's dig deeper into that a little bit if we could. What caused this excitement, this awe that is mentioned in verse 43? The events in today's scripture happened shortly after last week's scripture in Matthew 28 where Jesus gave the Great Commission. Jesus had instructed the disciples in chapter 1 of Acts to stay in Jerusalem until God's promise was fulfilled and delivered. And then he ascended into heaven. So here are the disciples going, okay, now what? Then Pentecost happened. The Holy Spirit descended and on all the people gathered there. And Peter started preaching. And at the end of that sermon, that small group of believers went from about 120 people to over 3,000. Now that must have been some sermon. I did a quick population check of the surrounding area here just to see what that would be like. And it would be equivalent to every citizen of Lewisburg showing up here at Village Church Roseville and joining on one Sunday. Maybe they'll come in just a minute, hopefully. We'll see. Um, we can dream, right? So this small group of believers suddenly turned into a rather large one. They became swept up in a feeling of community. They found joy and excitement. They, they were, there was great things happening. The apostles were performing signs and wonders. There was an inclusivity. We see the words all and everyone used throughout that scripture. No one was left out. Everyone was excited to be a part of this community. They found joy and excitement from Jesus lived out in the apostles' teaching, in fellowship, in the breaking of bread and prayers. The apostles' teaching kind of helped keep them focused and help them to understand who Christ was, what he did, and what this new thing meant. There was an excitement about gathering to hear a word from the apostles and a hunger to know more about Jesus. 
It was all they had. They didn't have Bible uh, Bibles. They didn't have study Bibles. They didn't have commentaries. There, there were no Gospels. Those hadn't been written yet. They had nothing, none of the letters of Paul because Paul was still Saul at this point. There were no podcasts. They couldn't whip out their iPhones and listen to the latest sermon on Facebook Live. So they had to rely on the apostles for guidance and for instruction on what it meant to be a follower of Christ. They would then go out and spread what they learned to others. And this excitement was, was catching on. So as a result, more and more people joined into this community of believers and became followers of Christ. Imagine what it must have been like to be in that community, to be that excited about hearing from God's Word, about hearing what it meant to be a disciple, and living that out in front of others. I think of that for myself. What would it be like if, if I could get that excited and I could get out, go out and live that in front of others? What kind of effect would that have on me? What, would that effect, what effect would that have on us? What would that do to those around us? How would that affect them? And how would that affect this church? So they, they listened to this teaching and they heard about what it meant to be a disciple and the community kept growing and this led them to experience fellowship. Now the fellowship that, that's mentioned here is really much deeper, a much deeper word. It's not just a simple meal or a visit. The Greek word that's translated for fellowship here is koinonia, which has a much deeper meaning to it. It's more akin to a fellowship with a purpose, to loving sacrificially. Stan Mass from Calvin Seminary explained it this way in his commentary on these verses. This was community centered on God and Christ and filled with a love so deep that people sacrificed their own belongings to make sure that no one in the group was left with an unmet need. So as we, we saw, we heard earlier, this was a very inclusive community. There were no outsiders. Everyone was part, a part of it. Sadly, I think that that kind of community would probably be faced with all kinds of skepticism and probably even criticism, even from people who may call themselves Christian today. It might even stir visions of Jim Jones or David Koresh. It's juxtaposed, this, this idea that this community had is juxtaposed to the ideals of modern society that we live in today where personal worth and how much stuff we have is the focus. I know I have way too much stuff. I have a lot of clothes I don't wear or can't because of all the COVID pounds I gain. I have food in the pantry that I may never eat. I throw away more food in a week than probably some people see in a month. The list could go on and on. And I'm humbled when I think about that. Our world seems divided into the haves and have-nots, and the haves must protect what they have and take more when they get the opportunity, even at the expense of the have-nots. But God calls us to something deeper than that. 
God called this community into something deeper than that. You see, they didn't live a destitute life. They didn't give up everything they had. Because if we look closely at the scripture, we see that these believers still had houses. They still had food. They had clothes. Probably had a car to get to work, you know, get down to the factory or whatever. Maybe even had a good set of golf clubs, you know. You've got to have the necessities of life, right? But they were following what we would call a minimalist lifestyle today. They were living on really just what was needed. Anything extra got sold. And was the proceeds were then used to help others. They shared everything they had, even what was precious to them. Because, you see, these believers were Jewish. And as such, many of, these, many of the people owned pieces of land that they felt were promised to them by God through God's covenant with Abraham. Yet they were willing to sell it to give that up in order that others may have and not go without. They shared their homes. They realized that, you know, when you really get down to it, the stuff that they had was not really their stuff at all. It was all God's stuff. The psalmist puts it succinctly when he said that the earth is the Lord's and all that is in it. Jesus also made the point clear in Mark 12 when he said, Give to the emperor the things that are the emperor's and to God the things that are God's. He wasn't saying there is a clear delineation between what belongs to the emperor and what belongs to God. He was ultimately saying, no, it's all God's. We are just the stewards of it. You see, God's idea of community is one where the haves help the have-nots without any judgment or expectation of anything in return. The community of, in, in Acts that we read about was living out that vision. N.T. Wright put it this way, there's an attractiveness, an energy about a life in which we stop clinging on to everything we can get and start sharing it, giving it away, celebrating God's generosity by being generous ourselves. And that attractiveness is one of the things that draw other people in. Now, not only did they share their possessions, but they also broke bread together. Now, this goes well beyond just a normal meal. I mean, they did share meals, but they also shared in the Eucharist, in the communion, in the Lord's Supper. You see, at this point in history, Christianity had not yet come into its own. It was still very much in its infancy. It was really just seen as a different variety of Judaism at this point. And this is why these Jesus followers continued their worship in the temple. And they continued much of their Jewish traditions. But see, things were different now. They saw the, their worship and their traditions through a wholly different lens. Even their meals took on spiritual implications. So after temple, they would gather in their homes and they would talk about what this new way of living and believing meant to them. But not just one home. They would go from house to house sharing meals and observing communion. Growing up, I remember going to church, and, and once a year we had homecoming. This was a, a big tradition 
growing up in, in the, the Southern Baptist community and a lot of other church communities. And we would go to service on Sunday morning, one Sunday morning, and then the service would be over and we would walk outside to this spread of food that could feed a large army. We're talking fried chicken, biscuits, potato salad, biscuits, green bean casserole, deviled eggs. Oh, and did I mention biscuits? Some of the best I've ever had in my life. Then after we got through eating, we would go back inside the church and one of the first songs we would sing because we ate all of that fried chicken was I'll Fly Away. If we could, we were so full it was kind of hard to sing at that point. But it was glorious. It took fellowship to a whole new level. We worshiped together, we celebrated together, we ate together. It was like a, one big family. Our early Christian community must have felt the same way, except they didn't wait for a once a year experience like this. No, they did this daily. This last year, thanks to COVID, we've really seen firsthand the impact that isolation and the lack of gathering and the sharing of meals with each other, with our friends and family, what that has on us individually and as a faith community. I pray that as we emerge from this pandemic, we take every opportunity to invite others to share in meals. And I know I will never take for granted the opportunity to partake in communion. At least I know for one, I'm ready to go back to real bread. The last point the uh, community focused on was prayer. In the same way that hearing God's word brought focus and understanding, prayer brought an awareness of God's presence in their life. In the same way sharing meals and observing communion brought them closer to each other, prayer brought them closer to God. It's interesting that the text uh, uses the, the plural for the word prayer. They didn't just use one form of prayer. They probably followed much of the same Jewish traditions of using the psalms and singing psalms. Then they also incorporated this new thing that had been given to them, the Lord's Prayer. And they likely used other forms as well. Whatever they used, they, they obviously prayed with energy and purpose. It's easy to just say the words and recite the Lord's Prayer, isn't it? I mean, we, so many times we just do it out of rote memory and we don't, we don't really connect with it. But if we, if we were to, if we were to think about the words and what they mean, it brings a whole new understanding and excitement about saying it. And then when we say it communally, here as a group, it helps us to remember that we are not alone. We have brothers and sisters who are with us on this journey of life. Community. It's more than just this geographical area that's surrounding us. It's alive, it's breathing, it's growing. And I can see the energy and the excitement we read about this morning in this faith community. Missy and I were touched by the warm welcome that we received from the very first moment we attended that first service. You didn't know us. Yet you welcomed us as though we had been friends for the longest time. 
you, we see how eager you are to learn and grow as disciples through B3 groups. We see you teaching and working with children to help them understand what it means to be a true disciple of Christ. We see you give sacrificially to those in need through the food pantry and through the outreach at Granite Acres. We see how you selflessly give of your time, your talents, your gifts, your service, and your witness. We see you. And it's what made us excited about wanting to be a part of this community, part of this wonderful group here at Village Church Roseville. So let's keep it up. Who knows, maybe the entire towns of Roseville and Lewisburg will show up next Sunday and want to join. Thanks be to God for a place called Village Church Roseville.